Hello everyone. Just before the episode starts, I wanted to tell you that the show is going to be taking a bit of a different form, as you'll see in this episode. I had a whole thing planned where uh, judge and jury were going to tell me I can no longer do plot recaps, because those have been trademarked by every other film podcast. <laughs> but... Um, that was probably the biggest reason I was unhappy with the show. You get very little sense of reward, or feel like you're making anything meaningful when you just say what happened in a movie. So, you'll you'll hear us referring to it a lot in this episode, and, um... Do, do, do you know that I was going to do it, but I'm tired, and I don't feel like it anymore. So, uh, I hope I hope you guys like the new show, or new format of the show. Same show, different format. Here's American Psycho. Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous... Hello, I'm Mr. Movies of the Famous Film Twitter.com, and this is the Mr. Movies Podcast. So, you had me watch another movie that I have never seen. I did. Which is weird, given that, like, every single person who's on the internet understands this stuff. But we watched American Psycho, and because of you, I think I understand the Sigma male meme now. Not only does the Sigma male meme make more sense, but I know, deep down, you closely, how should I say, relate to the Sigma male mindset. (laughs) What are some of those quotes he used? There's one where he's like, I have all the characteristics of a human being. (laughs) I feel nothing inside. Yeah. I'm just like you. Flesh, blood, muscle, bone, hair. But on the inside, there's nothing. (laughs) Is a Sigma male just like a guy who is a guy? It's a guy living Joe Rogan's fantasy and eating (laughs) Hungry Man XL dinners every night. Yeah. Because you're a hungry man. Yeah, it's like that guy, we were, we were watching that TV show, the dude who eats expired MRE rations. That's like a Sigma male move, right? Yeah, only the strongest, toughest troops eat this, and I eat it for dinner for a recreation. God, that guy was so gross. They were like talking about like, oh yeah, whenever the MREs are spoiled, it has this musky flavor. Yeah, when when the oils dissolve. <laughs> it makes it, his tongue it, numb. It makes his tongue fat and numb, <laughs> which I like, he says. Oh my God, that's a Sigma male, right? Uh, I'm convinced. (laughs) Um, There is so much to talk about with American Psycho. There's a lot. That does not involve a plot recap. None of those. I swear, Judge. I swear. (laughs) Yeah, I know the the courthouse is listening. I can't do plot recaps anymore. I can't. They will kill me. 
What's funny about American Psycho is it does all of the very, very basic things very, very well. That's right. It is very heavy-handed satire, which um, listeners of the Mr. Movies podcast from I don't even know how long ago. When was the last time I put out an episode? X amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> the, I, I'm a proponent of satire that's not too smart. I think it's fine to have heavy-handed satire. Because, um, yeah, so always have smarter satire where it's like, yeah, Fight Club is heavy-handed in aspects, but it's also pretty smart in aspects where it's like, oh, it's anti-consumerist. And it's like, no, it's actually anti-capitalist. You know what I mean? Like, that type of stuff's fun. So, you know, long-time listeners will know that American Psycho absolutely hit that chord of, damn, maybe men do be treating women really poorly. I The way I like to put it is... American Psycho is like ACDC the band. (laughs) They're only playing like three chords. They're not trying very hard. However, everybody knows Back in Black. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they do the simple stuff very, very well. And the things that aren't simple are presented in a way where you feel smart for figuring it out, even though it's really not that hard to figure out. But it also makes you believe that you are really smart for figuring it out. Yeah, there are two incredibly basic things about this movie that, again, are done incredibly well that I think that anybody who watches it has in their mind. And the two things that I'm thinking about are, like, the vapid culture of high-dollar corporate America and the other being outright acceptable misogyny and how far does misogyny go before it's just you killing a woman right you know what i mean it's we can make fun of ladies not being able to drive or whatever but at some point my man's chopping up somebody yeah it it ends up being this thing where it's like there's a scene where i mean we're gonna get into this but there's the scene where they're like all talking in a circle and they they say something along the lines of like no woman has a good personality if she's funny smart or anything like that, it's because she's ugly. And she has to make up for the fact that she's ugly by being, I don't know, a person. Yeah, and what's funny about that is, like, Patrick just brings up Ed Gein, like, (laughs) which is such a... (laughs) Yeah, at the the time of the movie, it makes a lot more sense. He's not just like, hell, that's very funny, guys. Girls can't drive. Also, did you know Ed Gein drained the blood out of his victims? He definitely didn't drop like that. Yeah. It's so funny because, like, you know, they're being, like, virulently misogynist, talking about, like, a woman's worth is only in her looks. And then he brings up, like, Ed Gain, he could never figure out if he wanted to, like, take her out on a date or put her head on a stick. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, 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 we aren't like that here. Yeah, wait, wait a second. Ed Gain said, what about women? Either they're really cool and I want to take them out on a date, (laughs) or what their head will look like on a pike. Yeah, there's, like, there's like no in between. Yeah, Either yeah. We're chopping you up, or you're dumb as fuck. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's funny because it's like, oh, so the level of misogyny that's unacceptable is outright killing them. But everything up until that point, that's totally fine. Yeah. Sexually harass them all you want. <laughs> I know, I know. There are no, no girls, girls with, with good, good personalities. personalities. <laughs> good personality consists of a chick with a little hard body who will satisfy all sexual demands without being too slutty about things. And who will essentially keep her dumb fucking mouth shut. Yeah, it's it's wild how well this movie just like 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 obviously it's taking misogyny and it's extrapolating it out to an extreme right. degree. However, <laughs> like it is it's done in a way that's like 
you you don't just see the misogyny that's in the movie. You're seeing like the machinations of someone's mind doing the misogyny. So it really, really stunned me that this movie is directed by a woman yep. and not a former pickup artist. That's right. You know we what I mean? We didn't have... <laughs> Chris Angel wasn't the guy going out there flipping, tr- you know, not like that. Yeah. Like, it was really surprising to me because I was expecting when I looked... Because I literally knew nothing about American Psycho before other we watched it. Other than memes. Yeah, other than, like, seeing Christian Bale's sweaty face with, like, the little foam The headphones. little headphones on or him, like, walking really sternly through his office with the headphones on. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's spectacular because this movie, the way that it's... I mean, I'm assuming, like, because I don't know anything about the book either. Sure. So, I mean, it's a perfect opportunity to do a podcast, right? Don't know anything about the director or the book. So but here's wow, my this opinion. Movie good. Yeah, exactly. So here's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Anywho. The level of expertise that she had constructing every, constructing the screenplay the way it is and telling out a story that's not just like, damn, corporate men are misogynist, but like, no, these things that women experience every fucking day, these fears that women have every single day. If we were to show you what a guy like that is like, like in a cartoonishly evil thing, do know that it's only like two or three steps away from like what most women have experienced. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's fucking terrifying and it's mastercraft. The the way we get introduced to uh, his secretary is so great. Uh, Just kind of like framing it really easily for everyone to understand where... She comes in, it's his secretary, she asks about appointments, and he's uh, moving appointments around or whatever. She goes, okay, cool, cool, make reservations. And as she goes to leave his office real quick, he just is like, hey, you should wear a different outfit. Yeah. That one's not very flattering on you. Oh, yeah, and I like high heels. You have to wear high heels. And it sounds kind of comical, however, there are plenty of people I'm i sure personally know every that have woman. been told this dumb shit before yeah every woman has had an experience with a guy that's like you're too pretty to be wearing what you're wearing be more revealing uh, do you know what ed gein said about women ed gein maitre d'ac canal bar no serial killer wisconsin in the 50s what did ed say he said when i see a pretty girl walking down the street i think two things one part of me wants to take her out and talk to her be real nice and sweet and treat her right and what the other part of him think what her head would look like on a stick. (laughs) At no point during the movie will you think that a woman is safe. Right. Literally no point of the movie. What what that movie does so, so well is it's a horror movie. Our bad guy doesn't wear a crazy mask. Our bad guy isn't some creature that radiation made. It's not some creature that some guy stitched together and made lightning to come alive. The real actual villain that these women face work with them yeah it's your fucking boss they're your bosses they're your friends they're your associates that's what patrick bateman uh the main bad guy if you haven't seen the movie or know anything about it um he's just your perfect wall street guy takes care of himself he's ripped has good taste in music drives cool cars makes great money literally just some guy until you start looking around his apartment yeah until you start seeing how he treats the people that he views to be his subordinates which in this movie is everybody but like eight guys yeah if you don't work 
If you if you don't have a dick and work next to Patrick Bateman, you might as well just be some schmuck. Yeah. So this movie, uh, just kind of stemming off of the uh, how well this movie displays, like, I, I don't even know if you could call it chauvinism. This is just like like outright uh, male rage. But it's just being a dog. Yeah. The this movie is steeped in psychosexual rage. Lots of it. Um, all throughout this movie, uh, you will get glimpses of Patrick Bateman doing workouts to porn. Yep. Um, if he's not fucking somebody, he's watching people fuck. And if watching he's, it casually on the phone. Yeah, and if you aren't, if he's not actively fucking you, he's thinking about how he's gonna fuck you. Not as he's gonna fuck you, he's gonna take your fucking head off. Yeah, and yeah, pretty literally in some yeah. <laughs> instances. And, but this also is a really, really uh, cool power play that happens in the movie. There's only two times in the movie that anybody exerts power over Patrick Bateman mm-hmm. to a point that it, like, breaks him. Right. So, so you could argue that the scene with the um, with, with the police uh, detective investigating Willem him... Willem Dafoe, by the way. Yeah, it's a spectacular role he plays, too. He... He yes, he had Patrick Bateman sweating and he was all nervous and stuff and he looks like shit in that restaurant scene. But he's willing to put up a fight with the detective by arguing back. Exactly. There are only two moments in this movie where he gets um where where he really does like get shown up and both of them involve women yeah. denying him agency. Right. The first one is when he hires the two sex workers to uh, have a threesome with him that he was going to film the whole time. And, you know, you get, like, the famous scene of him flexing his muscles. Memes. But, yeah, which I found out there are, like, 50 memes from There's this movie. There's a bunch of memes in this movie. Yeah. Um, the the sex workers, he, he was like, oh, do you know where I work? Do you know my name? And he was like, I work at, what was it, P&P? Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Ever and, heard of it? Yeah, he's like, ever heard of it? And they're like, no, and I don't care. And that's one of the first moments that he's like, that's all my power. If you don't know that I work in mergers and acquisitions. If I'm not on fucking Wall Street, then who am I? Exactly. And they don't care. Right. You know, and it's it's really funny because it just it shows that like, yes, the whole point of this movie is that Patrick Bateman lives in a different world than everyone else. But it also shows in a very, very ham-fisted way that the corporate elite are in a completely different world. Right. You buy and sell people to do the things that you want to do, and then when you're done, you just make them leave. You dispose them. Yeah, it's it's unbelievably good. What I think also, um, going on top of that, is uh, all the times that Patrick was told no in the movie were by women. There's a great scene where he goes into one of his victim's apartments to check out if that person really, you know, we'll get into it later about what, you know, what happens to this guy. But he's going through the apartment, which is on a house tour, and he just barges in, and our older female real estate agent is like, if you don't have an appointment, then you gotta get the fuck out of here. And guess what? Patrick fucking leaves. He doesn't sit there and put up a fight. He doesn't stab this lady to death which you would think would happen in the movie he literally is just like okay and fucking dips and another great instance is his secretary comes over which she believes she's going on a a beautiful dinner date to the nicest restaurant in new york yeah dorsey what was Uh, it dorsey dorsey yeah um dorsey something like that i can't fucking remember it's a really fancy restaurant that it's fake and i still can't afford to uh, to be in it (laughs) um she kind of taps into the very tiny amount of humanism that's within Patrick because as she's talking to him about 
have you ever tried do anything just to make someone happy? And she asks that question while he has a fucking nail gun aimed at her head behind her. And he reflects for a moment. And the only, I think in the movie, if I remember it right, she's the only person to actually leave his apartment with his intent to kill her. And she actually gets away. And it was only by tapping into that tiny amount of humanism. And he, he was told no. By a woman. Uh, yeah. Who's his secretary. I think if you stay, something bad will happen. I think I might hurt you. You don't want to get hurt, do you? No. No, I guess not. I don't want to get bruised. You're right. I should come. Horror, as we've talked about on the show a thousand times, horror has been and always will be a progressive vehicle. Yes. So we saw that like on an episode you were on. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a grand allegory for veganism. Every single person who dies in that movie dies the way that an animal in a factory farm dies. So whenever you start looking at movies like Rosemary's Baby, where it's like a lot of women are forced into birthing a child that they don't want. But this movie, what it does is it takes these ideas of, you know, progressive empowerment and puts them on display in often cartoonish ways. But this is often like a vehicle of like societal change or like pitching the horrors of society and the things that need to change or if we don't put chains on these awful things in society what can happen to people horror has always been the absolute best vehicle for that and i'm not saying american psycho does um like women's empowerment better than any other movie but having watched it it's at least got to be in the running right it's a fantastic example of that and it's something that I feel like goes undervalued a lot. And I understand, like, listening to this, you might think, oh, a couple white knights, you know. But you have to also understand that uh, this scenes in this movie, swear to God, I feel like just a fly on a wall for something that really does happen. All the time. Which goes perfectly into the next thing that I want to talk about. The two main pillars of this movie, one being rampant acceptable misogyny and the other being the vapid culture of high dollar corporate america right constantly keeping up an image and in fact patrick even says it in the movie to uh the girl he doesn't really like but uh, for some reason is quote unquote together with for some most of the movie um he literally takes his headphones off and stresses to his girlfriend wife whatever fiance and says i just want to fit in and the whole movie, the whole group that he works with is just constantly trying to one-up each other. I have the best reservations at the best restaurants whenever I want them. My suit is Prada. My business cards are better than your business cards. My car's flashier than your car. All this garbage. And it goes to show that keeping up with the Joneses isn't just about your neighbors. That's a whole culture that's brought on by the wealth of Wall Street. Yeah, and naturally that exact toxic environment is the one that promotes misogyny that leads to a point of somebody viewing women as being so subordinate that they should be exterminated right you know it's a hop a skip and a step away whenever people are just like dollar signs or even worse they're sport like they're a thing that you hunt right it's a sport to get women yeah, this is the, the movie argues that like yeah, he's a product of the environment. Obviously, he's a huge piece of shit. Something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. But 
I mean, if we were to, you know, strip this thing down to its bare materials, uh, we would probably find out that, yes, uh, brutally murdering somebody is awful, but the same people at this company are probably lifting homes and ripping families apart and driving people to suicide because they're doing these huge acquisitions and foreclosures in real estate that it's like, yes, one of them did it personally. The other one used the system. Which one is actually worse? Right. And it, it, what's crazy about it, about the misogyny thing, is if you've watched the movie, you would know. Um, Patrick goes throughout the movie. He kills a homeless person some point in the movie and brutally killing the homeless person's dog, which didn't do anything, by the way. He kills all these women throughout the movie, and he doesn't just kill them. This dude chops them up, keeps their cadavers within his, you know, apartment. The only time that anyone was interested in the person in a person missing connected to patrick bateman was a man yeah oh that's a really good point you're right the only time someone came to investigate and question patrick about what he was doing was he killed another wealthy executive that he works with i didn't even think about that yeah all the women went missing you don't hear a peep all the, the prostitutes he kills the random people the homeless people who have no power or say in literally anything in their entire lives the only time someone came to seek vengeance was killing another wealthy white guy that works with him on Wall Street. Personally, I think the guy went along nuts, so split town for a while. Maybe he did go to London, sightseeing, drinking, whatever. Anyway, I'm pretty sure he'll turn up sooner or later. I mean, to think that one of his friends killed him for no reason whatsoever would be too ridiculous. <laughs> Isn't that right, Patrick? This also goes into um, almost like comedic aspects of the high dollar corporate elite type culture. Uh, You know, that who knows who. Oh, do you know who that is over there? Name dropping. Yeah, that's Alan Allenson. He's he's the head of Burgerford T. Rackshaft uh, acquisitions. Is that Bob Clove? Bob Clove just picked up the FNF account, and I cannot believe that he did that, considering what he did last year. Yeah, and it's funny because... Every single person in this movie views themselves as being the only person who actually worked to get in their position, and everyone else has luck. One of them that's funny, it's like right at the beginning of the movie, they're talking in a circle, and then one of them's like, oh, he's lucky. And then he was like, uh, he's uh, he's actually, he's, he's a lucky Jew, I think is what he says, which is hilarious, because uh, I don't know if you know this history, Jesse. What history? The Jews have been through a lot. <laughs> you know, it's really strange. And it's really strange seeing Patrick Bateman, the guy who dissects women in his apartment, wants to stick up for the Jewish community and says, hey, cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks. <laughs> hey, there are people out there starving and that are dying, and we have to raise social awareness. You know, that scene is so fucking funny. It's funny because we know what happens. We know Patrick Bateman's going to chop up some bitches. It also cuts the air out of the room, too. Like, everybody's joking, and then he's like, actually. Yeah. Oh, I understand. Ha ha. Jew's big nose. Ha ha. Pinch a penny. Also, we should probably stop the anti-Semitic remarks. And also, people are starving on the street. Yeah. It's crazy to see Patrick Bateman act the part of the, the quote-unquote um, white knight of the group. However, he's the dude doing the fucking worst shit. All these other guys are just fucking bitches, being bad dudes, <laughs> being misogynistic, whatever. <laughs> and Patrick, the guy who's like, hey, well, cool it, guys, is also the guy chopping people up in his apartment. Yeah. 
after Alan is brutally murdered, uh, this is like one of the funniest moments of wow. uh, the whole scene is incredible. Yeah, yeah, but after he's murdered, just like their fixation on who knows who and who's wearing who. After Alan gets murdered, his body is in a suit bag, and he's uh, Patrick is loading him into the Dragging trunk. Dragging him into a taxi trunk. Yeah, and the only question he gets asked is, where did you get that bag? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. He's dragging this, clearly a cadaver, clearly a body in a suit bag, and then slowly plops this clearly a body in a, in a suit bag. And a stranger walks by and goes, oh, wait, Patrick, hey, it's me. And Patrick's like, what the fuck you want? And he looks in and goes, oh, where did you get that bag? <laughs> yeah, it's like so clearly a cadaver, too. Yeah, clearly he's sticking in the trunk of a taxi at like midnight. <laughs> they drug out from his, his apartment. And the only thing this motherfucker can talk about is, is the brand of the bag. The, where did he get this nice bag? Yeah. Patrick? Patrick! Is that you? No, Lewis. It's not me. You're mistaken. This is my very good friend, Patrick Bateman. Where are you going? We're going to Nell. Gwendolyn's father is buying it. Ooh. Where did you get that overnight bag? Um, also, when he breaks up with his girlfriend in the restaurant, she starts crying, and he's completely comfortable, like, ruining her life doing this. But it was the second that she starts crying, she's hurting his image. And yeah. therefore, he has to leave because you're harming me right now. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon, uh, amazing by the way, and absolutely gorgeous in the movie. They're in a, a scene where he breaks up with her, and she realizes that he's serious and starts to cry, but cry loudly and starts to whoa, kind of whoa, and the the cinematography does a great job of like pulling out and seeing all the other tables kind of look at focus yeah. in on the, what's happening at everybody that table. turns attention into them which and patrick Pat, does not want patrick does not want that at all because it's not good imagery it's bad imagery so he goes oh my god you know what i've actually got a fucking dip you're crazy calls her crazy and then fucking dips and leaves this poor girl crying by herself at the table probably with a meal she probably can't afford to yeah well may, maybe she can she's all popped up on pills all the time but <laughs> <laughs> But she, you know, she cries aloud. He doesn't like that they're getting just negative attention. Even if it's just like a lover's quarrel and whatever that shit happens, it doesn't happen to Patrick Bateman. So Patrick gets the fuck out of there and leaves her by herself. Yeah, the uh, probably my favorite um, example of like just how vapid this culture is, is at the end of the movie when all the guys are sitting together and they're talking about reservations. And this one guy goes, I'm not even hungry. I just want a reservation somewhere. Right. He wants the bragging right to say that I have a reservation at a nicer spot that you do. And the dude's not even fucking hungry. Yeah. Is there anything more on par with this movie than that? Right. I don't even want it. I just want to say that I got it. Not only do I want to say that I have it, but it's whatever I have is better than what you have. Yeah. And quickly, while we're talking about all the men together... Do you mind if I bring up the business cards? That is a, one of the two scenes that I feel like we have to talk about in this movie. Yes. The, it's probably... So I know that everybody thinks that the act scene is the scene of the movie. And yes, you have a pretty good argument. But the business cards is the perfect summation. 
of how fucking stupid this culture is that he's a part of. Yeah, first guy pops out card. Oh, it's nice, whatever. So Patrick decides, you know what? I'm gonna flash off my card. So he pulls out his card and everyone's got a card holder for their business cards with their fucking names engraved on it or whatever. They pop it open, Patrick passes it off and Patrick's just like, yeah, it's bone on a New Times Roman font, impact and gold foil. And they're just like, oh, very nice. Hey, uh, Bob, let's look at your card. He cracks out his card. And even though it looks almost the fucking same as Patrick's card, it's a slight color difference. I think it's textured too, is the thing. There's a few business cards that he gets upset about. And he's like, yo, that that card's real nice. Even though it's literally like the fucking same. It literally has the same format, almost the exact same color. Patrick can't help himself but focus on the differences in the cards and watching every, you know, in Patrick's mind, he's going fucking ape. But in everyone else, we're just showing our nuts right now and just showing each other our business cards, how cool my business card is, your business card. Like, it fucking matters. Yeah, it's it's such a funny scene, too, because, like, they also have, like, those 24-karat gold business card containers yeah. that have one business card. Yeah, my guy flips it open. There's, like, four fucking cards. Yeah, it's so good. I can't believe that Bryce prefers Van Patten's card to mine. Let's see Paul Allen's card. Look at that subtle off-white coloring. The tasteful thickness of it. Oh, my God. It even has a watermark. Something wrong? Patrick? You're sweating. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about with this, you know, like this vapid culture. Did you notice? So, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he talks about his skincare routine and yeah. all the different things he does to make himself feel better. How different is that from Instagram wellness influencer culture? <laughs> As he, he like walks through like all the brand names of his moisturizers to keep him feeling young and ready to work. And it was really funny because I was like thinking about that. I was like, haha, he sounds like an Instagram influencer. And then it keeps going. Yeah. And it keeps going. Oh, and then for my hair, I use these four things. And then on my face, I use this thing, then this thing, then this thing, and finally this thing. You almost want to, like, crop the video, like, in a vertical video format. Right, right. So <laughs> you I can, can imagine. dotting off everything yeah. he uses. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine living without my CeraVe moisturizer for my face. Guys, like, this Dirty Angels from Lush has really gotten my face feeling <laughs> clean. It's so funny. Uh, it's... It... it it is barely different than saying that, like, your $300 skincare routine has, like, replaced therapy for you. It's right. just consumerism as an identity. Right. And it's so funny. Four things for your face. Now, I understand skincare. It's way skincare. more than that, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's, it's like it, 12. That's just for his face. <laughs> he goes on to go about his hair, his body wash, how he goes to the tanning salon. Um, he really is passionate about, because he takes a lot of pride in taking care of himself and it's also a slight reflection on how much he couldn't care about anybody else, but heavily invests in the only person that matters to him, which is himself. Yeah, the um, other thing that really stood out to me in this movie, much like um, a movie that's coming up next week in the podcast, Ooh. Uh, horror movies do this very, very well, and it's the blurring line between fantasy and reality. And I know that that's like a very, very surface level thing to say about American Psycho, but there are so many examples of this, and only one of them involves a man. That's right. Um, 
most of them are geared towards women, and they progressively get more violent. They get steeper, and they get steep quick. Yeah, so the very first instance is him at the bar, and he brings a drink ticket, and he's like, I have these drink tickets. And she's like, sorry, those are expired. You'll have to pay cash. And you just see him saying to himself in the reflection, just string of misogyny. I want to drown you in your blood. I want to fucking kill you, you dumb, ugly bitch. Lily says that uh, in the mirror about this lady, but did he say? Exactly. So what's funny is, like, she doesn't respond to it. So my initial thought was, like, oh, she hears this all the fucking time because there's these Wall Street dicks who come in, you know? The music could be loud. She maybe didn't even hear what he said. Then we go to the woman at the laundromat. Mm -hmm. So he has white bedsheets that are soaked red. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what that could be. But the woman in the laundromat who can't get blood out of his bedsheets, he just, it's like an even more violent diatribe than what he said to the woman at the bar. Mind you, another woman. The third instance of this, and this is a third known instance of this, is him seeing his secretary's frozen head in his freezer. Just almost like it's jarred, like a trophy that he would have. And then there's even a uh, scene at at breakfast where he says to his girlfriend that he's about to be breaking up with how his homicidal urges have been getting worse and worse and that he's killed like 20 people, but he doesn't actually say that. And all of these involve women. Yep. That is until we get to probably the most iconic scene in the entire movie, Alan's Brutal murder to Hugh Huey Lewis in the news. It's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! Ah! And uh, just to, I, I want to get this clear and out of the way for everyone listening. I am so stoked to see Jared Leto. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Jared, hey, listen. I'm going to have to beep <laughs> Get his um, I'll refrain. The The scene is fantastic. Everything from the timing of it to when we first see Jared Leto's uh, character, Paul Allen, sitting there all drunkenly. He doesn't even notice that there's newspaper laid out on the ground everywhere already. It seems like Jared's pretty drunk, but Patrick seems to be totally fine and not intoxicated at all and knows exactly what he's doing. Damn, almost like a predator. It's almost like he meant to do it and uh of course there's the scene of him talking about Huey Lewis in the news which I think we should get into later about how important music is into the movie my god yeah it's incredibly important and it just happens that Patrick Bateman is a huge fan of Huey Lewis in the news (laughs) and he has to let um Jared Leto know about what he thinks and the of every track on the album and the description of everything and as Patrick's putting on this big clear raincoat doesn't really care what Jared thinks because he's kind of just going to talk over whatever Jared about the stuff that he wants to talk about, which is music. And then, um, hey, Paul, whack, whack, <laughs> whack, whack. <laughs> it's so funny because that entire scene, not only is his murder weapon shiny, so he can't even use a used axe. It has to be brand new. A chrome-headed axe. <laughs> yeah, is that the only one in existence? I have never seen a chrome axe in my life. Yeah, you've done manual labor your whole life. <laughs> a chrome one is pretty cool, I'm going to be honest. 
the um, other thing about this is that every room in his house is impossibly white. Everything which is, is so clean. Which is such a funny place to have a bloody murder. <laughs> right. Which makes sense why he ended up having those bloody uh, bed sheets and everything. It's like, yes, of course. Because everything in your house is bright white. Everything is gorgeously white. At the uh, laundromat, when he's, you know, going off on this lady who couldn't get the fucking blood out of his sheets, he made it a strong point, going back, I guess, to the materialism bit, um, how much, you don't even know how much those sheets cost me. But yeah, everything's impossibly white. It really does look like PewDiePie's house inside of, uh, <laughs> it really does. The thing that you touched on that I really, really want to get into is the importance of music and specifically the incredible sound engineering of the movie. Amazing. This whole movie revolves around 80s butt pop. I think that we could That's call it very butt pop. strong of you to say. <laughs> it's butt pop. To... To Mr. Movies, it's butt pop. (laughs) So, um, it does some very clever audio editing, which is, you know, again, very film 101 stuff, but when done well, hits real good. Yeah, that ACDC talk. With, um, you know, like he has his headphones on and he's listening, and the second that he pulls one ear off, it goes to mono, and it's lo-fi, and you can barely hear the music, but it's continuing. And it's a very, very solid transition from, you know, your classic, like, hey, everyone's watching to see what, and then just pulling it off. And then all of a sudden you're in the office and then you just hear the music just slowly fade out and your mind hasn't even noticed that we went from like non-diegetic to diegetic sound. It's very, very smart editing. But beyond that, the importance of 80s music, specifically the commodity of the CD to Patrick Bateman, it's spectacular. Uh, everything from, you know, the iconic Huey Lewis in the news uh, murder scene to the cop who's investigating him having a copy of the same exact CD. Phil Collins. Yeah, him bringing up Phil Collins and how much he loves Genesis. He puts on Studio to have a threesome too, right? Yeah, not only to have a threesome too. A brutal one. Before he gets into the threesome, my man's Patrick Bateman literally goes track by track on that entire album and goes over what the song's about, what it's a reflection of the band, the artist who wrote it. And I mean artist. And, uh, may I emphasize the word artist? <laughs> um, uh, it, it, it's like the music zone's character, like he had mentioned with the headphones. Um, everyone knows the meme of Patrick Bateman walking through the office with his headphones on. Um, but if you actually watch the scene in the movie, he's walking through the office with the headphones on. And the moment he gets to his office, he takes his headphones off and the music immediately stops. Another thing I want to talk about is this line in the movie. Um, it's another one of those. I forgot to bring it up whenever we talked about the blurring the line between you know fantasy and reality. It's when someone asks him what he does and he says he works in murders and executions when it's supposed to be murders and acquisitions. And I know that I already trotted on the point before, but like... You could make the argument that those are the same thing. <laughs> uh, what's that statistic about every percent of unemployment that happens because of like big banks losing all of our fucking money that people die? Was it like 10,000 per every 1% of unemployment increase? I'm not smart, so I don't know. I heard it in a movie. I think it was the big short <laughs> treating that as a textbook. Yeah, that's right. Movies never lied to me. <laughs> Passion of the Christ, I'm a believer. <laughs> 
And I think that now's as good of a time as any to get to the end of the movie. It's which, a lot of people. Yeah, uh, he kills uh, 11 D people. Uh, 11 D hundred. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, this is kind of the peak of his hallucinations that he feels. Um, everything from the ATM telling him to feed him a stray cat, which, yep. you know, famously is one of the signs of somebody becoming a serial killer, is torturing animals. Right after that, he panics and shoots somebody in the chest who's just walking by. Yep, he uh, ends up... It's hey. no longer methodical. No, no, no. He starts in, and, you know, he goes on the spree of, like, the from the ATM, leaving the ATM, and then hearing cops just magically show up out of nowhere, like a whole squad of them, not just the one... They already got their lights and sirens going, so he takes off running. Then the cops dramatically slide in, in the street and start shooting at him, and they start shooting back. And then he shoots their car, and their car fucking explodes, and he's on the it's run, just so shooting whoever, funny. just shooting whoever's next to him, shooting um, a guy who gets his name wrong, yeah, which is a big thing. Yeah, it calls him the wrong name and just blasts his dudes away. Goes into his office, goes into you know, his desk, grabs his phone, immediately phones up his lawyer, and starts unloading. I've killed homeless people, like 10 or 20 of them. I killed XYZ people. I killed uh, 20 Jared. to 40 people. He's like, Jared he Leto? I chopped up Jared Leto. <laughs> and then <laughs> bumps into his fucking lawyer that he called and told all this to, who hasn't phoned him back, unloads. Unloads all this onto his lawyer, and his lawyer has no fucking clue what he's talking about. Because he had dinner with Paul Allen last week jared leto had dinner with his lawyer last week and it's been way more than a week since our boy chopped up jared leto so yeah it is spectacular writing specifically in that moment what's funny is what follows that is that iconic to me at least iconic line of i'm not even hungry i just want a reservation but ronald reagan's on tv yep and they accidentally say patrick bateman and ronald reagan are identical <laughs> at the end of they're the they're the same <laughs> and I, it's a i don't know if that was intended or not there's also like that weird uh bit where like the wall street bankers like how can he just get up there and lie because it was about iran contra <laughs> yeah it's like what the fuck are you talking you're wall street you, you do guys, that every day and you love this guy yeah, and you love that shit how many reagan bush shirts did you see at your job show up you know it's like yeah He's unbelievably popular with, like, rich people who just love making you mad at them. Rich white guys on Wall Street doing the blow that the Contras were going over. <laughs> and I think that just about does it. Yeah. Um, we're Sigma males now. I, I'm going to be honest with you. My jaw has never been sharper. I've never been able to lift more. My testosterone is through the fucking roof. <laughs> I, I am somehow out of the alpha, beta, omega scale, and I am now on the sigma scale, which means I, I, I still don't get it. I, I still don't know what a sigma male is. Do you have to hurt women to be sigma male, or is it more just being Keanu Reeves? To be honest with you, me being a sigma male, personally, <laughs> as a sigma male, I don't even think of the women in that equation. <laughs> How, transcended how, women. <laughs> yeah. I don't even need him anymore. I have so much tea raging through my veins right now. I have I woke up today with more ass hair than hair on my head. <laughs> I think that's actually true for me. That might be true for some people. <laughs> that's literally true for me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Jesse, would you recommend American Cycle? I highly recommend because uh, <laughs> it's a it's a great example. First, memes. Second, the movie does an excellent job of showing off every level of the social bracket and yeah. how and how how they act with one another. As you know, comical as it may seem, the rich people really do do that. I, there's not much more to say. The movie is absolutely amazing. Every shot is art. Uh, the dialogue is incredible. Yeah, it's it's tough to say much more. I mean, I feel like I went over it pretty well. It's it's one of the few instances of media where you know, like sometimes like people relate to antiheroes and stuff. Yeah. You know, people be like, "Ah, oh, my ass is just like Deadpool." Damn, sometimes I be the Joker for real. This is one of those instances where I'm like. Whenever you see people say like, you know, I'm a bit of Patrick Bateman, I'm a, you know, it's it's always like a 12 year old online or whatever. But it's like, how did you get that that wrong? That's like, I'm trying to think of like, it's like the same people who say like Homelander is an antihero, you know, like like in the boys. It's like how fucking stupid are you? Yeah, <laughs> Homelander's an antihero. Like it's like he's so clearly the bad guy, you know. Um, the yeah. judge will be happy with this. I think the judge is gonna be stoked about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. The I, jury I, of my peers will agree. <laughs> we may actually get something for this one. I'm gonna have to beep a whole lot. <laughs> I don't think you should. <laughs> um. Yeah. Tune in next week for. We're, we're, we're gonna be. I'm gonna be raising hell with the homie. Yeah raising hell. Jesus, what? He he presents himself as this harmless old codger, but inside, but inside, but inside doesn't matter. Inside, yes, inside. Believe it or not, Bryce, we're actually listening to you. Come on, Bateman. What do you think? What do you think?